Welcome everyone to Comedy on Edge, the podcast, coming to you live from a full Edge HQ. We've got Josh is on the sound, Dave is in a seat, we've got an audience of Ryan and Seizure here, and my guest today is Good News Week, Glasshouse head writer Ian Simmons, and we've given Carrie a mic. Josh, hit the music. Welcome everybody to Comedy on Edge, the podcast. Ian Simmons, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Mark. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Carrie, how are you? Tip top, Mark. That's good. I was going to ask Seizure how you are, but you don't have a mic, so we'll just ignore you for the rest of this episode. I hate you. (laughs) Yeah, that's implied. Well, welcome, guys. Now, Ian, good news week. Yes. Is it coming back? God, I hope not. (laughs) So I take it that's a no. So... Uh, I think, mate, I, I, we did what was apparently the final episode at the Comedy Festival this year, and um, I think, you know, we've done nine years of it uh, all up, and I think that's enough. You think that's enough? So you think, you know, the mo- world's moved on, it's shy, It's the shyest time to shine? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really hoping uh, for more Lyra Bingle. Oh, of course. But um, I, I think Good News Week is one of those shows that could reappear until the end of television exists. Mm. Uh, uh. You know, I think um, it's a show that could reinvent itself. The next mm. time it comes back, it could have... It won't be Paul McDermott. It won't be Mikey Robbins. It, it should be three new people. Because mm. it's, a, it's a show that is new every week, I think. Mm. Um, so, you know, the, I'd like to see a new generation of, of performers and comics take that idea and, you know run with it to something new. That's that's the way the show was always devised and and I think it'd be great for it to come back with a whole new fresh outlook. Yeah, but the networks at the moment, they just want their reality, don't they? They do and it's hard to argue with the success of things like The Shire and Lara Bingle and, <laughs> and Everybody Dance Now and um, uh, every other bloody awful talent show that they've foisted on us. Good one, Channel 10. You know, Channel last year, the... Channel 10, the head of Channel 10 came in and said, okay, we've had a really crap year, we've lost all this money, but next year we've got five great new shows. Not one of them is on air now. Yeah, Every single one of them failed. It's got an amazing strike rate, don't they? Yeah. It's, and, but Channel 9, see, Channel 9's having success picking up scraps. They picked up Big Brother and moderate success. They've, yep. pi- they've picked up Australia's Got Talent. Yeah. Which is an interesting one. It won't be the same without the other Minogue and the fat bloke, but, you know, <laughs> look, maybe it'll work. Maybe there is still a bit of talent out I'm there. I'm hoping Channel 9, because Channel 9 has a bit of an older demographic. I wonder if they'll replace Kyle Sandlands with Alan Jones. Ooh. <laughs> I, mean, that, that, I could see uh, uh, that would appeal to Alan's ego. Yes, and yes. I mean, at his age, making him do breakfast radio and a TV show, it's running him, burning him at close. I mean, Kyle, who's a younger but not a fitter model, he's sort <laughs> of, he's really, they're running him ragged at the moment. Like, he's he's probably, do you know the guy drinks nine litres of Coke a day, yep. 15 uh, cans or cups of coffee, and smokes two packets of cigarettes? Yeah, but he never works t- more than two days in a row. So, <laughs> you know, he's always got a migraine, or he's had an obesity attack, or... The cholesterol's woken up and it's trying to rip his heart open. So, you know, I don't think... Yes, he's got a big workload, but when you actually look at the amount of times he turns up to work, it's not that many. 
Yeah, well, I think so it's... Mark, is, is your thing with Alan Jones, it might just be a really good way to finish him off a bit quicker? Pretty much. I mean, every time Kyle's admitted to the hospital with a migraine, I send him a bouquet of cigarettes and alcohol and just, just to keep it going, prime mm. that pump. So, you know, Alan, you know, hopefully, you know, I'll just push him a bit closer towards, you know, retirement. Oh, not retirement, just, yeah, an early passing because he brings Retire nothing. or expired, you mean? Bit of both. I'm going for expired. Let's just do don't think I'd like to be one of the young men that Alan volunteers to coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'd definitely be. Oh, you never know. Maybe he could come back in the sequel to Hey Dad. They could reboot that. Hey, oh. Alan. I think we're getting into lawsuit territory, aren't we? We're really skirting this close. Do you think Alan would know what a podcast is? Um, no, I don't think he would. Well, speaking of, actually, speaking of law, like Twitter, I like Twitter because you can communicate to people. Like Channel 10, I think they haven't had a good year. And I've been tweeting Rupert Murdoch to give his son some advice, but he doesn't reply to me. Because I think Lachlan, he's not, you know, he gave his wife a show, it didn't work. <laughs> you know, Channel 10 breakfast, it didn't work. Lachlan's just, he's not the, you know, he's not, he's not his, he hasn't inherited Rupert's cunningness. He's not the sharpest Murdoch in the draw, that's true. <laughs> I think if he'd been a member of the royal family, they would have locked him in the tower and never mentioned him again. You know, he's, he's a little bit like the special boy who got dropped on his head once too often. But, you know, good on him for going out there and trying to make a, a business that doesn't fail. And eventually, maybe he'll, he'll come up with one. He's, he's one tell, Channel 10. He's really not... Mm. So, yeah, he's not doing well. See, yeah, he's not doing well at all. No, he's um, an idiot. Yeah, pretty much. He's yeah. not. But yeah, maybe. Needs, what do you think? How do you? How can we save Channel Ten? What What could be done? I mean, at the moment, they're pretty much it's Modern Family, Homeland, and whichever Australian TV shows failing. Yep, I think all Modern Family is the way to go. All mon- I just think twenty four <laughs> hours a day, a Modern Family marathon. I think well, they're close to it. It's not far away. But, and you, th- you know, if they cut out boring things like the news. Well, they have. They, this week, 100 journalists got, got knifed. Yeah, so it's on the cards. Well, they've got bones, sorry, Eddie Maguire style. Uh, f- three or four years ago, they spent $20 million upgrading their news. You know, they, had the George, they brought in the George Negus show. There was a late news. They brought in a local news. All of it's gone. Mm. The only thing that's, got, that's been a success, and it's credit because a lot of friends, the project. Yeah. Project's the only thing that's working on that network. Yeah. And thank God they stuck with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's credit to it. That's one of the... Because that started with low ratings and they sort of pushed it. Whereas, yep. you know, the Shire started with low ratings and <laughs> they gave it a bit of time. But let's be honest. Maybe it was going to be... It just hadn't reached, reached its point to shine. Maybe it was going to be the next big thing. It could have been... The Shire. A, yeah. So I had hopes. Maybe when, they just pulled the plug a bit too early. So when they announced they were going to cancel the Shire, I had my hopes up. Because I, I didn't think I didn't care about the TV show. I was hoping they'd cancel the suburb. Mm. Just wipe <laughs> Cronulla off the map. It's, maybe, maybe, now, there's a reality show. What about Channel 10 buy up a beachside mansion and bring refugees to Cronulla? See, I'd watch that. Yeah, I would too. If the locals would love it. It'd get, it'd get that media interest. Yeah. I think that'd be lovely from, you know, from Christmas Island to Cronulla. Yeah. It just, and, the, you know, we get, Alan Jones can host it. Think of the riots. <laughs> it would be a riot. That's for sure. And that's, well, the other thing, you, now you started out, you started out, now, this question's probably going to date me and a few, like, I know Josh hasn't got any idea what I'm about to ask. It's going to date me more than <laughs> yeah, you. Probably true. Uh, in the 80s, where were you when Molly died? I was in the studio about 10 feet away from her. Now, Carrie, do you remember where you were, or do you know what I'm referencing with that? I'm 
not even sure I do. What? A country practice in the eighties oh. was it was a massive show. It was it was Austra- it was I'm trying to think of a modern day equivalent, but we don't make Dallas. Australian dr- Dallas. <laughs> Dallas. It would be. That's an a seizure reference, Dallas. That was an eighties show that they remade. It was a massive yeah, show. They- like it was on it was on Monday and Wednesday night. Like it was two nights a week. Yep. And the built ups was it season four or five where she I think it was it was early in the run yeah Molly, something like that Molly was the eccentric character that sort of the troublemaker that they sort of built up she had a kid and then they killed like it was one of the first it was my first encounter with death when Molly died she died of leukemia and then um, Bob Hatfield read a poem at the end yes Mad Mad Molly Jones yes we cried we did a nation cried. But that, that, that moment now, the fact that we're still talking about it, when, when I say we, probably me. I mean, I'm, yep. I'm probably one of the few, tens and tens Country of Country practice and UMI, that's, that's no. We're not going to descend into <laughs> Oh, you young people. I know, Carrie and her, oh, let's talk about cheese. Just saying. <laughs> there are several really good holiday destinations which you could base around cheese. That was my only point. That's true, but the same Ma- could be Made said- over about 10 minutes. You haven't lived till you've seen you or my play live at Dapto. Which we had to live through for about 20 minutes. There's not even any good cheese in Dapto, just greyhounds. But you and my two are there. But a country practice thing. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, just while we're talking no. about you and my. Um, oh, uh, no, there's I, another one. <laughs> no, no. No, no uh, Paul McDermott hosted the ARIA Awards um, for three years back in the 90s, and, um, and I wrote for that. And. They were in one year. They were looking for a band. They they had a spot, um, and someone suggested UMI, and the executive producer turned around and went, UMI. They're known by four people in Newtown. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, okay, that seems a bit harsh, but all right. Fine. Sorry, go on. No, 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 no. That's wow. <laughs> See, it's a conspiracy. The man is keeping UMI down. Now you well, good. Well, so you were there on a country practice when Molly died. And- I was. Yeah, she actually. Um, her last scene was on location. She actually died sitting on a chair out in her garden watching her husband and, and uh, daughter play. They were flying a kite. They were flying a kite. Um, but the last scene before that where she um, walked outside to sit in the sun, mm-hmm. I was in the studio. I was a stagehand back then. I used to sweep the floors and put the sets together and stuff. Uh-huh. And where, so, where, so where did a country practice? How long did you have the full run on country practice? I was there for about seven years. I became an assistant director uh, up until 1990. 1990, and then then from there, you, you now you've had you went to radio. Yeah, we were, um, I I was working at Channel Seven with a few guys. We'd been to uni together, and they all worked in TV. And um, one of them was a, a drama writer. One of them worked in the newsroom, and we used to do comedy at night. We'd started doing reviews at Macquarie, and um, and when we all left, we liked it so much, we thought we we're going to keep performing. So we were putting on our own shows, places like the Harold Park, the Bridge Hotel in Roselle, anywhere basically that we could get a gig. Mm. Um, and, um, and we were working down at the Harold Park one night doing a show. We were doing about a six-week run of this. It, it sort of had review sketches and stand-up and songs and all sorts of different stuff. And this guy from Today FM was in the audience because they were looking for uh, a comedy team to work on The Breakfast Show. Because, and this sounds very weird now, but in 1990, Today FM had, didn't have a comedy breakfast show. They had a DJ and a sidekick 
and it was all very kind of nice and sweet, but it wasn't funny and it wasn't interesting and it wasn't rating. Mm. And the D-Gen were doing breakfast in Melbourne and they were huge. And Doug Mulray was doing breakfast on Triple M in Sydney and he was huge. And Today FM went, oh, maybe we need someone who can make a joke. So he came and saw us and offered us a, a gig. And you got kicked off FM radio too. I got fired twice. <laughs> what was the story? How did you get... <laughs> Now, this is a station that would go on to have Kyle Sanderlands put a 14-year-old girl on a, te- on a lie detector yep. and ask her about a sex life. Yep. What got you fired? Um, being, uh, I think it's uh, something they call, talk about in the military, insubordination. They brought in a new program director. Uh, oh, an agro. Does anyone remember Agro? Uh, yeah. I was disappointed this week. I went to see the movie Argo, thinking it was about him. Oh, that would have been yeah. good. Dyslexia just doesn't... With yeah, Ben doesn't Affleck as the puppet. I, I'd go and see that. It's actually a good movie. Really? I, I know. I've mocked the guy, and I will mock him in the future. It's really, he's done well. Okay. I'd almost think... I thought Agro may, might have been the secret director. Mm. It would have explained a lot. Sure, wasn't Matt Damon? Matt Damon. Well, you never know. Maybe Matt Damon is Ben Affleck. You know, It's, it's his alter ego. It would explain a lot. Goodwill Hunting was just Fight Club before Fight Club happened. <laughs> yeah. And Giggly was Damon just working out the kicks in the whole thing. <laughs> Putting on the tall suit. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, they, Today FM came up with this great idea, um, Agro the Puppet. We'll put a puppet on radio. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Jackie O's on now. So yeah, I, I think in the, the 60s or 70s, there was a ventriloquist act that put out, um, <laughs> that put out a record. Uh, it was a little duck that wore a nappy or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Oh, back in... in That's English. Yeah. In the, uh, the 40s, I think, um, there was a guy called Charlie McCarthy who was a, a ventriloquist mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, who was huge on radio. <laughs> okay. So it's... They, they brought in Agro to do breakfast um, and we didn't really fit in with Agro because Agro thought jokes like, <laughs> poofters are funny. <laughs> we didn't kind of fit in with that sensibility. We were a little bit behind the times. Um, and so we kind of, a couple of us weren't afraid to say this is garbage and we really hate it. And you know that racist character he does? That's awful. And we got fired. Ah, so... <laughs> So it wasn't because you were stealing stationery? Oh, we were doing that too, but we never got caught. <laughs> That's the trick. Yeah, you never get... No one, has anyone ever gotten fired for stealing a post-it? Oh, God. Depend, depends on the lengths to which you go to acquire your stationery, I think. I don't know how many people are listening to this, but God, I stole a lot of stuff from Today FM. <laughs> <laughs> there was a disc jockey, who shall remain nameless, who was um, getting married. And he had managed to scam everything at his wedding he'd done a deal with the people who were making his wife's wedding dress he'd done a deal (laughs) with the venue he'd done a deal with the guy the jeweler providing the rings he wasn't paying for anything he was doing back-end promotion on the station the original cash for comment oh it was just (laughs) horrible so he had this vintage bottle of very expensive french champagne that he was proudly showing everyone i pinched it (laughs) (laughs) I just couldn't stand it anymore. And then had to sit in the room when he discovered it was missing. <clears throat> yeah, anyway. Yeah, so... Not one of my finest moments, perhaps, but... Oh, I think it's... You, you, you were calmer to that, mate. Yeah, it made me feel good. 
<laughs> did, did he interrogate everyone over who stole it? Or? Well, we were actually working on the same show at the time, so he didn't believe it could have been one of us. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the, Will there be a 10, 20 year reunion for that? It's like, remember that champagne? I bump into him every now and then. We we, we get on well. He still doesn't know. He doesn't know? No. You know you're, ne- you're not going to just one day just go, oh, champagne? Or... or just, here's a link to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Might get back. Maybe he might be one of the hundreds of people that tune in. Is Does he, he ge- live in Germany? Is he German? <laughs> Don't know where he is now. Hello to all our listeners in Germany. Guten Abend, wie geht's? There's a lot of them. Now, a country, as I've learned from Dave, the sound guy, or former sound guy, he's been replaced, Country Practice made it to Germany. It was sold all over the world. It was sold to very strange places. Like, Neighbours was huge in the UK, so obviously it was sold over there. And But it was sold to Borneo. <laughs> um, and uh, it was sold to Germany. It was called Das Busch Krankenhaus. <laughs> Krankenhaus. The Busch Hospital. Oh. And it was overdubbed in German. And they actually managed to find actors who sounded like the Australian actors. So when you had the little Weasley guy, they found a German with a little Weasley voice. And and it was extraordinary. And God knows what they thought of this strange other world. But I thought they would have liked Councillor Muldoon. He said, he came across as German to me. Wow, you're really showing your geekiness now. Oh, yeah. You, you, you can test me. <laughs> He's pulling out minor characters, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Muldoon, he was, he was a villain in it. He was, he, yeah, he was for a while. He yeah. was the modern-day Paul Robinson. See, their neighbours reference. <laughs> wow. I, I oh, find yeah. it so difficult to believe that a country of practice is something that you can be that geeky about. Yeah. I mean... It's frightening. It was big. It was. It launched um, a lot of careers. Georgie Parker came from country practice. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm not... I'm not, <laughs> I'm not debating the fact that it was the springboard for a lot of people's very successful careers. Well, only um, one that we know of. Yeah, George, we've only, I've only named one. Oh, Fatso you worked went. on it. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it made me the man I am today. Yeah. Fatso Still the Wombat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fatso the Wombat. I think Bob Hatfield told you how to um, steal that French champagne, didn't he? <laughs> but do you remember the controversy about Bob Hatfield? So the lo- this was my Batman podcast. <laughs> yeah. This is this is kind of like the UMI episode. No. Yeah, yeah. I'm like just watching this, going, really? No, 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 no. This, this you'll like this story because okay, Bob Hatfield. I can't. Remember. I I would like to beg to differ. Well, I just this would be. Hang on. Let, let me let me. Let me. I'm, just, I'm just gonna peg, the peg at, my colours the to the master right now. Who played Bob Hatfield? I can't think of his name. Gordon Piper. Gordon Piper. He is oh, sadly not with us. He died of diabetes-related illness. He lost a leg. But he was accused in, I think it was the late 90s, early 2000, of molesting a kitty. Why is that relevant? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought, he, you've got a moustache, you know. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but he was he stood up, in, they did this famous interview. The case was dropped because he stood up in court and he just goes, I couldn't have molested her, I'm impotent. And the case was thrown out. I remember he went on a current affair that night and announced it. So if you say, if I say that in court next week, it'll be... Exactly. They call it the Bob Hatfield defence. I think Robert Hughes from Hey Dad's probably going to be going down that route. You're going in for that driving charge, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just say, CJ, you've got a job interview next week. You can just go, I'm impotent, give me the job. It'll work for you. Yeah, it's, um, it's, was it minorities? Minorities. I reckon you could pull off impotency. So, how about UMI? <laughs> Massive UMI fan here. I told you I'd get you there one day. Uh, yes, out of desperation, if nothing else. No, well, well, and... What's your views on cheese? Cheese. 
I think it could make a great holiday-related travel show. Mm. Have you ever been to King Island? I have. Really? Mm. Beautiful. Wonderful seaweed. What about the cheese? No, I didn't have any cheese. It seems See- like a wasted holiday yeah. in my book. Well, Carrie, Carrie actually, she, she, she wants, she's interested in the TV production. What tips have you got for Carrie to get into the TV industry? Oh, boy. Um, come up with the stupidest idea you can possibly think of with a bunch of no talent, you know, poor excuses for humanity. <laughs> Bam, got it. And Channel 10 will probably buy it. Uh, Seizure Kaiser's okay. Cheese World Tour, <laughs> starting on King Island. So considering I want to go into something that will make me no money whatsoever, mm. but it's something that I believe in, mm-hmm. and I'd like to think that I have some sort of ethical framework within to wo- within which I like to work, how do I get something on the ABC? Well, it worries me that you want to work in TV and you you say you've got ethics. Yeah, that's they're not no. going. That's not going no. to go together. Oh, I, I worked for ages to get them. Oh no no no, silly girl. No, give up yes, give up your ethics then. There's no. The world. Have you not seen that documentary Entourage? <laughs> the documentary Entourage. Hang on, you're not a mic. Have you not seen that documentary Entourage? No. Well, uh, check out this guy called Ari Gold, and you'll understand. No ethics. Mm. You're be, you're Ari be, had ethics. What ethics? Well, he never cheated on his wife. That was one of the big things. Ari oh, was the bluster God. guy, and the as this series evolved. He became more ethical. Like, at the start, when they were finding their legs, they sort of, Ari sort of alleged, but when he came down to it, he never cheated I've on his wife. i a degree in half of this stuff. Really? Yeah. Well, an entourage. You guys keep talking, we're just going to have ethics. a chat over there. Yeah, have a chat over there. Well, eth- ethics, you got a degree in ethics. I, I did my degree in philosophy and history and philosophy of science. Huge chunk of that is ethics. Huge chunk of that is history of mental illnesses and psychiatry and stuff like that. So naturally, you find yourself working in the world of stand-up comedy. There is more crossover than you would imagine. <laughs> I know, I know. Even more than you would imagine. I wouldn't imagine. Well, you've, you know, over the years, Good Newsweek had a lot of big name guests. Yes. Is there anyone that you sort of, any pinch yourself moments when you're like, I'm in the same room or I'm working on with? Oh my God. I mean, it, there must be, but we made so many of the bloody things. Um because oh. for me, like I should, I I was a stand-in on the show for the last two years, where pretty much I'd go to rehearsals, stand there while we ran through the show, and then I'd hang out backstage eating the catering and chatting to you. Yep. And then I met, like I met a lot of, I didn't, I people that I admire. Like there was a few that were like, whoa, like Kitty Flanagan. The first time I met her, it was like that's pretty amazing. You know, one of the best comics, you know, I think in the world. Yep. And yeah, that was pretty amazing. But do you have any moments? There was one um, back in, it was the last year we were on the ABC, which was 98. And we I had... remember the final episode of that. Really? And then I was at the closing ceremony and then you came back and I was quite annoyed because I got really good seats to the Capitol Theatre show of that. <laughs> we came back seven years later. You held a grudge for that long? I'm, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. We, and... we, we had Amanda Vanstone on who at that point was... I remember her. I remember that episode. She was... Um, I can't remember. Minister for Justice, wasn't she? Was she the? Ju- I think she was. Yeah, the Justice Minister. Yeah, uh, and I wrote a promo um, that involved Paul McDermott bent over a chair, <laughs> being spanked with a riding crop by Amanda Vanstone, and 
basically her whacking him, saying, hi, I'm Amanda Vanstone, I'm on Good News Week this Friday. And Paul going, thank you, man, may I have another? <laughs> um, and I never thought she would do it. And I wouldn't have been upset if she didn't do it because it was just something that amused me when I wrote it. But not only did she do it, she did it really well. And that was kind of a very special moment for me. And um, the guy who eventually poached us to Channel 10 said, that was the reason I wanted you to come here. I thought that was great. <laughs> Which might tell you more about him. Yeah. Um, but look, there are so many great comedians. Um, you know, Stephen K. Amos, Mark Maron, Ross Noble, a couple of years ago with the machine that fired shaving cream. That was my first episode as a stand-in. And yeah, I remember that because Akmal was on that episode too. And both those, they like to talk. Yep. Now, a Good News Week episode would go for about an hour, hour and a half. How long did it take to tape an episode? Oh, God. Three hours. Yeah, that was. I remember that episode. It was four and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 episode because that, that for me was a dream. Like I hung out. In this, I was involved in this TV show, which I was watch. It was awesome, and I knew Akmal had a friend of mine there, Peter Green, who's been on the podcast. And we went out for dinner afterwards. It was me, Akmal, Peter Green, Ross Noble, Kring Grant, and their manager from A List. And we went out, Akmal said, we'll go to Chinatown. I'm like, oh, this would be cool, this would be cool. And at the time, I was very, I had $30 to my name because yeah. it wasn't paid out, I had no money. I'm like, oh, cool, Chinatown. It was closed. So we ended up at Nick's Seafood. And like, I, Peter Green, who was there, who, he's, he earns a bit more money than me, but we're sort of looking at each other. Like, Ross orders the Surf and Turf, which was like $53. <laughs> and I scanned, I got the dish, there was only one dish on the menu I could afford that like was $25. And I'm like, oh, God. I got ordered the 20, it was a prawn dish and it came out, Ross's dish came out, it was this tiny little bit of steak and one prawn. Mine came out and it's like 54 prawns piled <laughs> high and I'm like, Ross is eating my prawns and at the end of it, I'm like, oh cool. And then they're like, oh, let's get some champagne, let's get some champagne. I'm doing the mask, I can't afford you. Oh no, I don't drink, I don't drink. And then at the end of it, I'd worked, I'd worked it out, I had exactly enough money to pay for my share. Just as we go for the bill, Ross's manager picks it up and goes, oh, I've got it guys, don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I learned that lesson that after that, I'm like, no matter how cool it is, I'm not kicking on with these guys. I can't afford it. Yeah, it can get very ugly too. Oh, well, the, oh, the other thing that I found funny, and I mentioned it because it's Akmal and Ross were walking along. It was Darling Harbour on a Sunday. Someone came up to Akmal and goes, Carl Barron, I love you. Yeah. Every, we're all really? laughing. Yeah, we're all laughing because they joke about it all the time. Ross Noble is over there going, I'm bigger than him. I'm bigger than Carl. They don't recognise me. <laughs> It's just, it's just one of those absurd. That was that for me is like an entourage moment. That I know my facial recognition skills are really bad. I was just chatting before about how I managed to mistake Tom Cruise for Christian Bale. Yeah, you Christian, said Christian Slater. Christian Slater. Let's just go with the less embarrassing one, which is still plenty embarrassing. Thank you of Christian Bale. Um. On a, on a movie or a, oh you meant Batman you, Begins? Yeah. Oh, cause I was gonna, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So I was going to say in real life you can't mistake Tom Cruise because he's only like he's Josh's height, he's tiny, and he gets upset if you look at him in the eyes. Well, it's actually a law when you're not allowed to. It's not a law. It's it is. just no. It's it's a, no. It's he a, has that power to yeah. make laws. Oh really? He does. Yeah. Yeah. Scientology. They rule the world. Yeah, the not free, just on this planet either. Yeah, they're, they're the Freemasons of this decade. All hail Zeno. Zeno. Don't mention Zeno on the podcast. We don't want... Oh, I can't afford... Get more followers. <laughs> yeah, not the ones we want. they got big lawyers, man. They can sue. You know, Will Anderson still does jokes about being mistaken for Adam Hills. And that... Really? Yeah, that comes out of real stuff too. 
um, mm. that's happened to both of them mm. um, over the years and still does occasionally. Mm. I People- saw Adam recently in Melbourne. He did a, he was just doing a secret gig and he was doing Angry Adam. And watching them on stage, they've got very similar mannerisms and stage technique. Like Will's got like, when Will's on stage, he plays with the mic a lot. Yep. And he does it in a certain way. Cause I'm, and then Adam was doing it a lot. And I'm like, I can see why you... It was almost like I was watching the same comedian. Like, I can see why they get... It's a bit more like Akmal and Carl are different coloured skin. So I don't know where they get... <laughs> no, nah, they're about the same height. Maybe you're just Carl Barron's not that tall. Akmal, yeah. They're not... But skin colour is something that you should be able to... Oh, come no. on. Look, to most Australians, they're both small and brown. You know, they must be the same guy. <laughs> I mean... Just could be Kyle Barron. Just we well, could. I thought it was when I first saw it. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> he comes out. He only works podcasts. He doesn't. Well, Kyle Barron actually. We've been trying. We've got a common on edge. We've got a Tuesday night room at the library. We've been trying to get Kyle Barron to do a secret appearance. Like we've had Kitty. We've had Fiona. I got told Kyle won't do it because he doesn't like to see the crowd when he's on stage because he's used to theaters where you light it off. Yeah. But he's he would not want to go on stage. Like our room holds eighty people. He w- and he's used to performing in front of two, three thousand people. He Can won't I just blindfold him, I suppose. No, <laughs> can you suggest that too? <laughs> but yeah, he won't come on stage because sure. that. Same with Whit Large. He wouldn't appear at Whit. He wanted to do Whit Large, but when he found out he could see the crowd, he wouldn't do it. Wow. Oh, you couldn't see the crowd at Whit Large. I don't think. Was there ever a crowd at Whit Large? <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! We had people queuing out the doors. Thank you very much. There was standing room only. I'm sorry, you can't see it. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners, but the look on Carrie's face then was just yeah, magic. Pretty, pretty priceless. I almost wish for that. I almost wish. You're going to be walking down the stairs first, let me tell you. <laughs> I really wish we could have Skyped Dave Bluestein in for that comment because I think that would have been. I'm hoping he's listening. Oh, he, he No, would. that's okay because he's a pacifist. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, this this it, is the balance that makes Whitlash quite, quite the. That is, you were, now Dave was a writer on the show. You've, you could use we gave a lot of starts to a lot of. Great writers and comedians. So. Yeah, going back to what you asked me before yeah. about those special moments, I think overall, over the entire run of the show, the best thing was actually being able to give great comedians, in some instances, their first gig on TV. Um, you know, like like Will and Corinne, and and you know, even going right back to the very beginning with Peter Burner and. Um, and people whose, I think, whose careers kind of were helped by the show. You know, I don't think we wouldn't have wanted Will for the glass house um, if he hadn't been so good mm. for, you know, three or four years on Good Newsweek. And, um, and that was the great thing, being able to, to find emerging talent mm. and, and huh. not only give them a chance, but give them repeated chances to, you know, to come back and, and, and speak to the audience. I also remember, um, as someone who was watching it, that was where I would have seen a lot of um, overseas comics that I wouldn't have ever come across easily otherwise. Yeah. I remember one of my favourite episodes of Good News Week in the world was one that had uh, Boothby Graffo on it, yep. who I don't think anyone knows of in Australia, really. No. A, a few people, maybe. And, I mean, that was where I would have seen Will Anderson when he first started out. Um, yep. Ed Byrne, who's just come over for Just for Laughs and has... Also on episode four of Comedy on Edge, the podcast. Yeah, just plug it. Why don't you just plug everything? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, and, and but Jason Byrne and yeah. just, um, 
and uh, Chris Addison and mm. um, you know so many guys. I don't think there was think- there wasn't. I don't think there was another TV show no. that could give them, you know, um, a chance to appear. So, and I remember hearing um, Adam Spencer or watching Adam Spencer when he was first on the ABC series of Good News Week when he still had like a purple beard or a green beard, yep, whatever he had that week. And now he's <laughs> um, he did he used to yeah. dye his beard, and and now he's presenting on Seven O Two, yeah, which I now yeah. listen to in the morning if I'm if I'm up that early. Yep, and the same with James O'Loughlin. Yeah. Mm. You know, James was was doing stand up around Sydney, and and we knew James, and and um, you know, then he ended up on Seven O Two as well, and uh, it was great to be able to do that and to find those people. And I remember the Boothby Grafo episode. There was one particular segment where he actually had to prepare. Um, it was a segment called Mag- Magazine Mastermind, and he had to read a magazine backstage in about ten minutes. And then would be asked questions about it, and he decided brilliantly that he wouldn't even open the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul starts asking him these questions, and it was just some of the most wonderful improvisation. Mm-hmm. Boothby just going anywhere he wanted to go, and took you know what could be a fun segment, <clears throat> excuse me, somewhere so different and so brilliant. Mm. It's great. I from memory, uh, and I can't remember because it's so long ago. But um, that was also – it must have been around the time of Comedy Festival, so there are a lot of people coming out yep. from overseas. And it was one of the episodes where it was kind of – the teams changed halfway through the show. Yep. So it was a new panel. And I think it might have been – I want to say Andrew O'Neill, but I, I don't know for sure – an English guy. And I think Ross Noble was on that episode as well. And I think that would have been where I – First saw Ross Noble yep. on um, mm. on those series of Good News Week. Was it Stuart Neal, the English man you're thinking of? Because I remember yes. one one show in particular that I think Ross and Stuart were on, and they took over the show. They both got up; they're on separate teams, and they both got up from behind the desk and started their own show downstage from everybody else. <laughs> and the cameras just went with them, and it became this whole other thing. It, it stopped being Good News Week for about half an hour because they just decided they wanted to do something else, and it was great. And there was no, you know, the the show had a structure and all of that stuff. Mm. But, but um, part of the great thing about it was when you put those brilliant minds together, anything can happen. Mm. Mm. I, I believe that might have, it, no, it would have been a separate um, episode, but it was also where I saw Will Anderson eating dog food mm-hmm. live on stage. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was before he was famous. Well, really? very famous anyway. Mm. Yes. It made him the golden boy he is today. <laughs> Was that, was that, He's got that an extra was shiny coat. Was, yeah. that, was that ABC or Channel 10 days when he ate dog food? I so, don't remember, but I remember him doing it because I remember the sound the audience made. <laughs> Will ate dog food. Wow. I think just no one could believe that it was. I think I was actually in a live record for that. Has there been um, anyone on the show or in Glasshouse too that sort of you booked and you're like, uh, and they've just come out and absolutely wowed you with how well or just how. I mean, I remember when I was there, there was two, like a good news week. I remember the wrestler, The Miz, was on. Yep. And everyone's like, oh, it's a wrestler. And he, he was great. Like, yeah. He had an impro background and he was really funny and talented. And same with Eric Stone Street from Modern Family. Yep. When they, Paul, in, the, both these were on the couch and they were just amazing. Like, Eric Stone Street was a phenomenally talented. Yeah. And yeah. Is there any moments like that? The Miz recently appeared on uh, Rove in LA <laughs> about seven or eight years after he appeared on The Glass House. Good. Um, <laughs> um, I'll. <clears throat> often it was the people that you'd never expect. Mm. 
it was the uh, the people that we got on to talk about stuff who were actually experts as opposed to you know all of us who just think we're experts <laughs> so there was a, a lady called dr janet hall who's a, a, a psychologist and a sex therapist i know who i've seen her on the glass house yeah yeah and probably a, a sweet lady probably in her 60s mm. um but just wonderful telling great stories giving unsolicited bedroom advice to dave hughes <laughs> um, well must have worked. he's got two kids now yep i'll third on the way i think and it was those kinds of people that you you wouldn't expect to see on a show like that in a million years normally mm. um who could not only talk about their own subject but were engaged in you know the whole discussion and and were really came to play with us yeah, the one that the one that amazed me, and because I was a fan of his music, Pinky Beecroft. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was disappointed he never appeared on Good Newsweek when I was there because I was keen to meet to meet him. He sort of he's kept him for the glass house. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Again, someone you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. The, the... I I was always amazed at how um, uh, I remember seeing, as well as Amanda Vanstone, uh, Tim Tim Fisher. Yep, and. I, th- I found it amazing seeing these politicians who, on if you saw them on the news, mm. I would completely de- de- disagree with a lot of their politics. But Tim Fisher's the man that Paul Keating once described as politically retarded. Tim Fisher hated Good News Week. Really? <laughs> he was... But he was on there more than once? No, he was only on once. Oh. He was horrified. He had... Clearly, he'd never seen the program. He seemed to do... Quite well, from my um, he from did. my recollection, he did. Uh, but he was very conservative, very nice man. Um, you know, was leader of the National Party, um, but was horrified by the language, <laughs> disgusted that that any of this might actually be um, attributed to him. Mm. And I remember seeing him backstage after the show, and he was a very unhappy man. Oh, dear. did you ever okay. get anyone walk out? Like anyone? Yeah, Bronwyn Bishop did. Bron- oh. yeah, that was the most famous one. Um, it was uh, it was when we were on the ABC, so it was a Friday night show. It was the night before a federal election, <laughs> um, and you know there is a there's an advertising blackout. You can't um, you can't run any electri- uh, election ads, mm. but you can still talk about the election. You know the news still talks about the election. So the seven thirty report still talks about the election. So obviously we are going to talk about the election. It's tomorrow, for God's sake. Someone in our office, had apparently assured Mrs. Bishop that there would be no discussion of the election. (laughs) So she got to the studio and we're telling her some of the things we're going to talk about and she just freaked out and sat in her dressing room for about 15 minutes with her advisors and then left. She didn't even send Angela in to fill in for her? No. No. It It was breathtaking. It's like, we're actually giving you a chance to be witty and charming... And, you know, appeal to people. You know we're talking about... We are talking about the same Bronwyn Bishop. Oh, yeah, well, I don't well, think I've ever heard the words right. witty and charming. I use witty and charming loosely. <laughs> but, you know, Good News Week never made anyone look bad. No. We, we were never there to ambush anyone, um, mm. even if we didn't agree with your politics mm. or whatever. We weren't there to, yeah. to pick on you, to make fun of you. Everybody came out of that show looking good. Mm. If you only said one funny thing in half an hour, we would make sure it was there, clearly, and everybody went, that was great. So, you know, we weren't going to upset Mrs. Bishop, but by God, she was an angry Harridan that night. 
Oh, maybe it was the pressure of having Bob Ellis run against her in the election. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he went bankrupt on that campaign. Yes. It's like the pressure you feel walking past a homeless man. <laughs> uh, well, guys, we could see this has been a great podcast. And thank you so much for coming. I didn't even tell HHQ. my fatso story. Oh, oh never mind. About, no, 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 no. Let's get the fatso. No, that can, we can say that for another time. So I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll, off mic, we'll tell Carrie that one. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll, you'll have to tune in. We'll have Ian back and we'll get the fatso story. Ian Simmons, thank you for coming along to Edge HQ. Thanks, Mark. Carrie, thank you for being on mics. A pleasure, all, as Se- always. Seizure, thank you for being here and not stealing anything. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah no, I was stealing anything. And Josh, Count the stationery. Josh, thank you for being you. Um, for more information, check out comedyonedge.com. I'm on Twitter at M underscore W underscore OH. Josh is on Twitter and he's asked me to plug this. He's at... at you can find him on my Twitter. Yeah, yeah at I am Seizure. And he's on Twitter at Hungry underscore Dude. So follow Josh so he can get up to 50 followers. Oh, Carrie is on Twitter too, at Wit Large, but she doesn't like to tweet that much. Thank you very much. It's Wit underscore Large. Und- and sometimes I do. It's always so- nice to be followed. There you Intent. Go. You know about the latest news in cheese. Yeah. I've, apparently, I'm not allowed to do that on Twitter anymore. What? Cheese, no more cheese of the week? Apparently, my business partner has um, he's put a stop to that. Outrageous. I know. I know. Well, I'm going to get my cheese news now. I know. You'll have to follow the real at Wit Large. I actually own that account. It's all cheese all the time. See, she's no. giving me an idea. What? Cheese News Week. It's just got success. We'll get Lara Bingle. Lara Bingle to host. Can I have a Bob subscription rate? No, no. You'll be the star. Can I be the stand-in? So I definitely get freebies then. So guys, check out Cheese News Week coming soon. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you're listening to us on iTunes, give us five stars. It costs you nothing. Have a good week. 